0: Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about The Radical Element, a new anthology of short stories with daring heroines, edited by Jessica Spotswood. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. Find even more book reviews, teaching ideas, and secondary ELA resources at teachnouvelle.com.
1: Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, so you can stick around even if you haven't checked
0: out the new anthology yet. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall. The Radical Element is a follow-up to Spotswood's 2016 collection, A Tyranny of Petticoats. Once again, she presents a diverse collection of historical fiction pieces with brave young women who tackle questions of identity, ambition, and justice. In Spotswood's words, they are mundane and they are magical. There is a power, a quiet badassery in girls taking charge of their own destinies. These girls will not allow society to define them. Instead, they define themselves, claiming their identities even though it was not often historically safe and, disappointingly, is not always currently safe to do so. So, that's like quite an introduction. Amanda, what did you think of this anthology? I really enjoyed it. I don't typically seek out short stories, and I
1: thought these were really well done. They had a lot of uh, different range as far as the characters, and I think sometimes author effectiveness in conveying emotion. But there were a lot of really great stories in here, and I thought that it was just great. I liked that it was arranged chronologically, so you could kind of see not only the flow of the book, but in a lot of ways the flow of the country. So it starts out with mostly a lot of like white or black characters and sort of as these wave of immigrants come in, you have more stories from Iran, from Cuba, and it sort of shifts as the fabric of
0: the country shifts. So I
1: I really enjoyed it. What about you, Danielle?
0: I really liked it too. I really liked the chronological telling of these stories. I feel that I learned a lot about some gaps in my knowledge And I really want to go back and read A Tyranny of Petticoats, which I missed the first time around, but I really want to see like where it fills in the gaps. For example, one of the places where my American history knowledge is weaker is the spread of Mormonism in the West. I knew, for example, that Mormonism started in the Midwest and then the Mormons were kind of pushed westward as people became angry with them, but that was pretty much the extent of my knowledge. And then one of the stories in here, which is by Mackenzie Lee, is called You're a Stranger Here, and it is about a Mormon girl in a Mormon community... And the girl has come over with her family from England and it kind of like goes through her story trying to save a particular manuscript from people who want to silence Mormons. First of all, I want to shout out Mackenzie Lee wrote A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, which we talked about in our very first podcast episode. So I came into this story like predispositioned to love it. What did you think of this story? I liked
1: it a lot. I really enjoyed the way that the main character, even though she was a part of this Mormon community, really wasn't sure about her own faith. So her mother left England to follow Joseph Smith, but she herself was not super on board with this. The story opens with Joseph Smith's murder and just the main character's uncertainty about the whole Mormon thing and God in in general. Yeah, um, and just the way that she still stood up for her community and aligned herself with them i thought it was really interesting
0: yeah like she's not sure she believes in god but she knows that she loves these people and so she is loyal to these people for sure one story that i knew that you would love as i was reading it and then you told me that you really liked amanda was better for all the world by marike nike um she's the one that wrote this is where it ends so what did you like about that story
1: I really liked that they had the inclusion of this non-neurotypical person who has this really strong interest in law and like her viewing these political arguments that directly affect her. I liked it for a lot of reasons. For one, I really liked the narrator's voice. I thought that she made it clear that she viewed the world differently. And so she would do things like rock back and forth. But it was very different from reading about other characters' mental illness, like for example, Turtles All the Way Down, where it's like sort of an endless loop of her mental illness but with this character it's not an illness it's just not being neurotypical and so just her differences in behavior I also really liked that she was playing off of this other character who is interested in law but in a lot of ways got things very wrong <laughs> so for example he really struck me as being this person who like is interested in politics and plays politics but sort of loses sight on the actual individual people that are being affected by it. So I thought that it was really effective not only as a character for the time, but as a character for our time of people who follow politics or like are interested in like the headlines and like the big things that are changing without really taking stock of the toll on people.
0: I agree. And I think that this was one of the things that Spotswood mentioned in her introduction is that these are... Claiming identities that are still not necessarily safe to claim. And I think that our society still has problems accepting non-neurotypical people and still wants to make laws regulating the behavior of non-neurotypical people and totally losing sight of the fact that these are people. Yeah.
1: Um, so Daniel, you've read a lot of the authors that are in this anthology already, but are there authors that you haven't read anything of that you are now more likely to seek
0: out? Yes, so I liked the story "The Magician" by Aaron Bowman. So in the story "The Magician, we have a character Ray who is a young woman, has always passed for a boy, and does work on a freighter in the West, in the New Mexico Territory on the Colorado River. And I just thought that there was such clear vision of what that time period looked like, and I thought that Erin Bowman wrote in such an interesting way that now I really want to go and read Vengeance Road, which is her big novel. How about you? Are there any authors that you'll seek out more of now? Um, So the author of the story,
1: Glamour, which we'll talk about more in the spoiler-free section, is Anna Marie McLemore. And she has a novel called When the Moon Was Ours that I I think I'll be interested in reading. Uh, I really liked her writing style.
0: Me too. Another thing I'd be interested in reading, I was looking up these authors, and a lot of them contributed to an anthology called All Out, No Longer Secret Stories of Queer Teens Throughout the Ages. And I think that pretty much with my interest in... Being queer. (laughs) My interest in being queer and historical fiction, I feel like that anthology is totally for me. And then one more kind of anthology shout out. Coming in August is an anthology called Fresh Ink, which is being edited by Lamar Giles. And one of the authors, Zara Farazan, who wrote Take Me With You, will be included in that anthology as well. So I look forward to reading that. So Amanda, what would have made this anthology even better for you? So I think one of the biggest
1: weaknesses for me, and as an aside, I have not read A Tyranny of Petticoats, so I don't know what's in that anthology. I thought that it was it was strange that this is an anthology of short stories throughout like American history, but that didn't have any Native American voices in it. So it does have the one character who is Graciela, and she is Mexican-American, and she's probably Native American in that respect, but it's still, the story is more focused on her being Mexican-American than Native American. That seemed like a big omission given that this was like the history of the U.S. So that's something I would definitely would have liked to see.
0: I agree with that. I would have liked to see that too. And like I said, I also haven't read Tyranny of Petticoats, but I will be reading it now so we can keep you updated on our Facebook if that's included in. Oh, plug in the Facebook. So strong. Yeah, gotta (laughs) do it. (laughs) Check out our Facebook, YA Cafe Podcast. One thing I thought was really interesting before we leave this like non-spoiler section was this juxtaposition at the end of the anthology between two stories. We have Take Me With You by Zara Farazan and The Birth of Susie Gogo by Meg Medina. In The Birth of Susie Gogo, we have Susanna, who is a Cuban-American, and her family is expecting more family to join them from Cuba. And so Susanna has lived... In the United States for 10 years, she's very assimilated, and she is nervous about the rest of her family coming from Cuba and kind of having to do a balancing act between the two cultures. And in Take Me With You, we have Zara Farizan, who is Iranian and has fled, and her parents are still in Iran, and she's living here with an aunt and an uncle, and she wants so desperately to fit in and her story is about her finding a bridge in and so i thought that these two stories together were were a very interesting kind of like two sides of the same coin oh i disagree i mean so i agree
1: on one hand but i thought that take me with you i definitely felt that the main character was holding back because she still thought that she was going to go home to iran and the end of the story, it very much hinted that she was not because Iran is, was no longer a friendly place for her. So I thought that just the the two stories being back-to-back, I liked them being back-to-back for a lot of the same reasons you did. But I liked it because you had Susie or Susanna who wanted to assimilate, like wanted to really be fully American. And then you had Sohailo who also like wanted to integrate, wanted to experience these American things, but still felt that like her heart was in Iran. Like she was still studying to go to school in Iran and, like, her growth as a character to finding her own place. I liked them. I liked them both together.
0: And with that, friends, we'll take our first break. When we come back, we'll share about things we like a latte. Then we'll return to our discussion of the radical element and dig a little deeper.
1: Welcome back, y'all! It's time for things we like a latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week?
0: So this week I am thinking about yoga with Adrian. You
1: and your yogas.
0: <laughs> we have been following this YouTube channel, Yoga with Adrian, for like three or four years now. But I was taking a break, and I just did some yoga yesterday. And so today, you know, I'm kind of in pain. So I'm thinking about. Adrienne and how she would just tell me to accept where I am in my practice. And I don't think she's ever actually said those words. <laughs> I don't think she's ever actually said those words, but I know that she feels it in her heart. So Adrienne is just this very like vibrant, upbeat sort of YouTube yogi. And what I really love about her new challenge that came out in January is that finally she has her dog, in the yoga videos with her. And I feel that that is so true to my yoga experience because Padfoot always wants to do yoga. Oh, he's a big helper. He is such a good helper. Anyway, yoga with Adrian. That is my thing I like a latte. How about you, Amanda? Uh, so my thing I,
1: I like a latte is a, a pretty popular book this week. It's called um, The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. It is just a lovely little graphic novel. It follows the story of this prince who, in the evenings, he wears dresses and goes out and takes the Paris fashion world by storm. And he hires a dressmaker to come and design these beautiful new looks for him. And it's just really well done. Like, the art is really beautiful. The fashion is really creative. Just the whole storyline, it's really heartwarming I think it's really great for anybody who liked Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Definitely. Uh, This is a book for you. It's a
0: a great little graphic novel. So it's The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on The Radical Element. The rest of the show may contain spoilers, so if you're leaving us here, keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. If you're a teacher or a librarian and you want to know more about this anthology for an education setting... Check out ideas at teachnouvelle.com slash cafe podcast. We'll be back after this quick break. This podcast is made possible by Nouvelle ELA teaching resources. Find secondary ELA resources to engage and inspire, like collaborative bell ringers. N-O-U-V-E-L-L-E-E-L-A. Something new.
1: Welcome back, y'all. We're continuing our discussion on The Radical Element, edited by Jessica Spotswood. If you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers.
0: So let's jump in by going back to the story Glamour.
1: Yes, so I really enjoyed this story, but I was very nervous about it going in. Why were you nervous about it? I wasn't sure where they were going to go. So the story starts with this Mexican girl who wants to go and be in Hollywood. So she has this old family magic that she uses to appear white to go be in the movies. Ah. So... <laughs>
0: literal whitewashing yes
1: I mean I like going into it I also i had a good amount of faith that like these are very talented authors and i i didn't think they were gonna go a weird direction with it but it's always kind of a possibility uh, but it wound up being just really beautiful and nuanced and she falls in love with this book stagehand this boy stagehand who turns out to be a transgender boy also living in secret not falls in love that's too strong they uh they develop this connection and they you know are attracted to each other and so having those two stories parallel was really nice it made it really added some subtlety to like the layers of like hiding your truth versus hiding your history So, like, the stagehand boy was clearly not hiding his truth because he was a boy, but it's something that if was found out, he would face a lot of discrimination for versus Graciela, who would also have a struggle for being Mexican, but it was more hiding her truth.
0: Uh, What were your thoughts, Danielle? I really loved this story because I felt that it could be, like, a backdoor pilot, right? Like, give me the whole novel. Oh, yeah, I I, want this whole novel. I want the whole thing. (laughs) Anna Marie McLemore, I want this whole novel take my money.
1: <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It was uh, really unique. I don't think I've read anything like it. There was another short story that used magic. That was
0: by Danielle Clayton. It's called When Moonlight Isn't Enough. What did you think of this one, Danielle? So I finished The Bells by Danielle Clayton a couple weeks ago, which is a full novel, and it has magic in it. And it has a lot in common with When Moonlight Isn't Enough in terms of, like, the decadent description. Like, in The Bells, she's constantly comparing things to lavish and decadent desserts. In kind of this, you're going to eat too much and get diabetes sort of way, which is sinister. And I felt that there was a similar thing here happening with the magic in this story. Because in this story, we have Emma and Emma's parents. And they are immortal. And the way that they keep their immortality is by doing this ritual with moonlight. And they have to do this every month on the full moon or else they die. And that's kind of sinister in and of itself. And then they have kind of this conversation about whether they should be sharing their healing power or keeping it to themselves in kind of this Black Panther sharing with the world debate. That's true. It's very Wakanda-esque. <laughs> so I loved that aspect. I thought that there were really good conversations there. And Emma wants to go be a nurse in World War II and her parents... Absolutely do not want that for her. But she is 191 years old. And this is where we come to my problem with stories like this. I'm with you. Um, We see this in... Tuck Everlasting and Twilight, which is you have these parents and you have these kids, but these kids are hundreds of years old. They're no longer kids. Like, let them do their own thing. Looking like a teenager does not make you a teenager. Right. (laughs) And so Emma has this whole, like, identity crisis. Like, I need to step out on my own. And I'm like, you're 191. Why haven't you been out on your own already?
1: Yeah. And not only that, but, like, if you have, like, immortality powers... Why are you going to look at your kid and be like, oh, are you still getting zits all the time and feel really weird about your body? Let's keep you this age forever. (laughs) Like, what a strange choice. (laughs) Yeah, But I I liked the story. I liked liked that
0: she did eventually step out. But her being immortal, I think, undercut it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree. And I will say that, Danielle Clayton, you have all my money forever. I'll read everything you write, too. (laughs) I just don't like stories with immortal families. I don't mind immortal families, necessarily. But... Like, you want to be a vampire? Oh, yeah, why not? I mean,
1: I don't mind the immortal family stories necessarily, but the immortal teenagers thing is weird. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. so I thought that it was really interesting in Interview with a Vampire, the movie, I didn't read the book, uh, Who Reads? Um, (laughs) But, like, they have this kid who is a kid forever, and, you know, she freaks out about it. Like, she tries to cut her hair, and she can't cut her hair, and, like, I like that. Like, oh, immortality at a fixed young age is...
0: Horrifying. So it was weird for me for that reason. Right. One of my favorite stories was also a story that I was most hesitant to read. It's called Lady Firebrand by Megan Shepard. My previous experience with Megan Shepard was reading The Madman's Daughter, which is a retelling of The Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. Wells. And I didn't like that book. And so I was nervous about this short story. But it turns out this short story is amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one, too. I uh,
1: I thought it was definitely the most plot-heavy of the, the stories in this novel. And I thought that it was great. It features a uh, disabled protagonist who goes down south. She's from the Union. She goes down south during the Civil War with her friend, who is a uh, free person of color. And they go down and blow stuff
0: up. They do. <laughs> they thwart the... Confederate effort. They are spies. They work with explosives. They are extremely smart and fierce and fearless and loyal to each other. And I just wanted to read a quote from that story. Rose took a deep breath. Right after the accident, her mind had gone to a dark place, defeated and frustrated It had been her father's belief in her that had pulled her out of it, and the lessons she found in the Bible, reminding her that she couldn't sit by and benefit from an unjust system. She tried so hard not to let Pauline down after the accident, to prove she was still useful, that she recognized the risks Pauline was taking, and that she would always help where she could. Now, Pauline's presence gave her all the strength she needed— Ever since that first day in the graveyard, saving the rabbit by chasing off those boys, they take courage from each other. I just love that these two girls are just so loyal to each other and at the risk of their own lives.
1: Yeah. I mean, not only loyal to each other, but loyal to doing the right thing. Like they see it very early on and stand by it. And they were great.
0: Yeah. And Rose's family believe in the Confederate cause and are racist right in front of pauline and rose has to kind of like navigate that in order to keep her position where she can spy for the union and so i just think that that whole story is full of tension and just great another full-length novel that i would be happy
1: to read so we've been talking about the short stories that we would love to see more of a book from so any others for you Daniel?
0: Yeah, so I loved this short story, The Bell of the Ball, by Sarvanas Tosh, and I know you did too, Amanda. This is a story of a young girl whose mother wants nothing more than for her to go to Cotillion and have a great time, but she wants to be a comedy writer for I Love Lucy. Yeah, this one was
1: great. I loved it because, you know, the 50s seemed like such a long time ago, but you've got this girl who's dealing with people saying, women just aren't funny. and <laughs> Oh, well, I sure am glad we've come so far and no one ever <laughs> says that anymore. But I thought it was great. Like, she was funny. Like, she came up with all these hijinks that she and her best friend got up to. And, and yeah, and she went for what she wanted.
0: And this story in particular, I really loved where it left off because it finishes with her creating this script for I Love Lucy to give to a producer to try to be a writer on the show. And she leaves it on the table for her mother to find. And is basically like, this is what I want to do. She leaves it on the table. Story ends. And I love that. I love that it doesn't matter to her. Like, I mean, clearly it matters to her whether or not she succeeds. In terms of this short story, the having written it, is the most important part yeah I don't think I need the book for this one I not to say I didn't love the short
1: story because I did but I I feel like it's perfect I feel like it's just like this little slice of this determined teenager and then she she writes it and puts it in front of her mother and then that's the end I think
0: that works really well I think you're right I think that this doesn't need more story I just loved her so much There was another really funny story, which was called Land of the Sweet Home of the Brave by Stacey Lee.
1: Yeah, that one was great. I loved uh, that there was this girl who wanted to go and become the face of sugar or something. I don't know. Advertising is weird. And so she was also um, half Chinese, half Japanese shortly after World War II, and so you know, she gets a lot of flack for that because people are terrible, and she just uses such great humor and grace to respond to these terrible racist comments, and I liked that even though she was faced with this obstruction to her plan to go become the face of Sugar, she was able to still do a good show, so after the terrible white girls broke her ukulele, she still, you know, came out and used comedy and kicked butt kicked butt, did a great show, Probably won't get the face of sugar but we don't
0: know because the story ends right where she's kicking butt and i thought it was great so stacy lee also wrote under a painted sky and outrun the moon so more books for our bookshelf and then last but not least we loved the story step right up By Jessica Spotswood. Now, we love Jessica Spotswood. We've been fans for a long time. So she wrote the Cahill Witch Chronicles. So good. And Wild Swans. So the very first thing, like before I ever read a description of this anthology, I saw her name and I went, yep, that's all I need. Jessica (laughs) Spotswood. That's coming home with me. So let's talk about her story. So she wrote Step Right Up, which is set in Tulsa. And at that time period, it would have been, quote unquote, Indian Territory. This is in 1905.
1: So the premise of this story is that the main character wants to go and be a high wire artist in the circus It's not an artist. I don't know what they're called. But anyway, she wants to go do this high wire act in the circus. And she. the story opens with her walking across the top of the tall Presbyterian church in the center of the town.
0: It's kind of reminiscent of Lyra like running across the rooftops in Jordan um, at Jordan College in his dark materials. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's a great
1: protagonist. She She's another one who just goes and gets what she wants. She wants to run away and joins the circus, and she has a terrible, abusive, surrogate Uncle. father, and she doesn't let that stop her, and
0: she's got people who support her. And yes, she has a great sister, and I love seeing depictions of great sisters, and then this is, you know, just one more. And I, I love the way that Jessica Spotswood fleshes out secondary characters. I think she does such a good job of really, like, bringing them to life.
1: One of the things I liked the most about this story was her rapturous relationship with the circus, uh, because that's something that, like, we lose because the circus now, you know, we see things like this all the time, right? So it's like we're no longer as mesmerized mesmerized by people flipping through the air because of, like, OSHA violations, which like OSHA's great Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like to be clear Uh, but you know at the time people could really like die at the circus they're on this wire and they could fall down and so I liked seeing the circus through this character's eyes
0: that's our show for today friends leave us a review on iTunes to let us know how we're doing and before we go we'd like to announce the winner of our launch contest MTJ4Boys an awesome ELL teacher is our winner congratulations MTJ4Boys Please email us at YACaféPodcast at gmail.com to claim your prize. And everyone else, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at YACaféPodcast. Happy reading!